there is identity that we all have that comes with hair. Yeah, you know, and, and this kind of willingness to let go of one identity for another, you know, and I think that's what I what I appreciated about you. I've had all types, like red, name it. But when I went blonde, I was a little worried. Are people gonna think like I'm dating a white man and now I'm trying to be like white? Yeah. I didn't feel somehow that I would be desirable if I was bald, if I appeared older than I was. There was all this stuff that obviously isn't true, but there were all these imaginations and projections that I had. And I was like, well, you love me. So I just bought, before I met you, I bought a pack of Rogaine from Costco. I like the big pack and I just threw it away. You did. I was done. Welcome to the Interracial Couple Podcast. My name is Sarah. I'm black. I'm Matthew. I'm white. And on our podcast, it's not all black and white. Welcome to this week's episode. So, so as you can see, for those of you watching, uh, we are both bald and beautiful. And beautiful. So, we are the bald and the beautiful. That's the theme for this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, a week ago, a little less than a week ago, actually on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, uh, Sarah got up and said, uh, uh, I, what did you say? <laughs> I, said, I want to be in solidarity with you, love of my life. I am going to cut off all my hair. I know. It just was like we were talking about a couple months ago, I had dyed my hair blonde. And I really, I've been trying to dye my hair blonde. I was been trying to dye my hair to a blondish color and I just, it never worked. And finally it worked. But then I was kind of bored of the blonde and I was just like, you know what? In honor of the Jewish New Year, I am going to cut my hair. Yeah. And I did the next day. So I went, I went and told everyone and my friends and family that tomorrow I'm cutting my hair. And sure enough, the next day I cut my hair. And it brought up a few emotions when I cut my hair. And it's not the first time that I've cut my hair. It's the first time I've cut my hair this short. If you can see it is... So not, first we used a buzzer, a really, really fine one. And then... We bicked it, which was basically with a, you know, with a safety razor all the way down so that it felt like a baby's bottom. It did feel like a baby's butt. I would touch my head and be like, oh my God, it's so soft. It's so squishy. Um, anyway, so with that, like I was just like, there's so much identity with hair that we have. And so cutting my hair made me think about all the identities that I've had over the years about my hair. It was emotional. Like I remember at one point cutting it and I was on video and this one woman was like, oh my God, I hope you don't have cancer. And I was like, no, I do not. I'm not sick. I don't have cancer. I am just, this is just for fashion. And I was like, is it really just for fashion? Like after I was thinking it to myself, like, is it really for fashion or is it that, when I cut my hair, it's almost kind of like makes me choose some way like a, an identity, mm. you know. So, yeah. And I was like, this is a good podcast to talk about all the identities that we have had about our hairs. Because I think hair, for whatever reason, our culture puts a lot on hair. And it could be easy to say that it puts more on hair with women than it does for men. Um 
And I think there's, you know, I would say this market spend probably would prove that. Um, but, you know, I am a bald man. And that was something that was hard for me to accept for a really long time. Uh, you know, I invested in Rogaine for about a decade. Um, What's Rogaine? Rogaine for, those is, who don't, for those who don't know. Rogaine is a, uh, it's either drops or a foam that you put on your scalp and it mm -hmm. keeps your hair from falling out. Uh, there's also a pharmaceutical called Propecia that was actually developed to help men with like enlarged prostates. And they found their byproduct of that has made your hair stop falling out. Um, some people get hair transplants and then take Propecia for the rest of their life to keep the hair transplants from falling out. Uh, I looked into all of those things because there was an identity I had with my hair. There was a bit of a wanting to look younger. I used to pride myself on looking younger than I was, you know, even going back and back, like hair was actually a big part of my identity. I remember a couple of times in my life when I was a kid crying from a haircut. Mm. Um, I didn't like the haircut and I cried. And I also had very long locks at one point uh, when I was a teenager and shaving it off. It was like, you can talk about this too. It was almost like it made me sick to my stomach. It was this really weird thing that what do we put in our hair? Um, and we're not, you know, not the only one, right? The Sikhs actually, they're, you know, uh, religiously don't cut their hair. It's a connection to, to God, to the spiritual world. Um, so yeah, we do put a lot in hair. Yeah, there is a lot of in hair. So for me, my, my twenties was shaped by the fact that I had dreadlocks. What do you mean shaped? How did how did dreadlocks shape a decade of your life? <laughs> Good question. I, people describe me as the girl with dreadlocks, you know. So there is, um, for black people who are listening to this, there is a way you are viewed when you have dreads. You know, there is, it's almost like, quote unquote, a culture of dread. Like there is a culture of dreadlocks. And I, I, didn't think that I belonged to the culture of dreadlocks. Like I'm not like into reggae or raga, you know, but there is a way that when you have dreads is like you're embracing this, like it was the first kind of steps for black women to start embracing natural hair. And I didn't know that I was embracing natural hair. I was just tired of, um, I was just tired of going to the salon, to be honest. <laughs> And so I transitioned into dreadlocks thinking that, oh, this is going to be easy to maintain. Not that it is. For those who have dreadlocks, they know. And it takes like a long time to, it takes a long time to lock. Mm -hmm. So it took a couple months before my hair locked, if not a year. And then I just was like the girl with the dreadlocks. And I was just like, yeah. And eventually I became like, people would be like, oh, that girl, like the black girl with the dreadlocks and I started describing my hair as like oh yeah if you like look the woman with the dreadlocks that's me the girl with the dreadlocks and cutting my hair off was cutting it when I turned 30 which was like the thing I was like you know what there was something I knew on my 30th birthday that I wanted to cut my hair as a gift to myself I just felt like my hair the dreads carried some weight and pain of my 20s with them and I wanted to reinvent myself. Hmm. And the way I wanted to reinvent myself, I felt like it had to do with my hair. Okay. So I invited all my friends to bagels and orange juice, which is like my favorite thing to have on my birthday. And I was like, 
we are gonna do a ceremony and we're gonna cut my hair i didn't think it was gonna be as emotional as it turned out to be and i cut them and i like i looked in the mirror and i just cried afterwards i was like oh my god i look like a boy um <laughs> <laughs> And it brought these memories of like when I was a kid and people would tease my head. Like the boys, first of all, like boys would tease me that my head looked like I like I had this shape. My head looked like a bus, you know, the British school buses. <laughs> Man, kids are so cruel. Kids can be mean. And so I really had never examined my head. Like I was, I'm, I was asking my friend, does my head look like the shape of a bus? You know, does my head look like a, sometimes they would be like, it looks like the shape of the bus. They would call it in Swahili, what we call Kisogo. Um, and they would also say like, it looked like the shape of a bread. Remember those breads that used to be like. Like a round loaf. Exactly. Okay. Um, Breadhead. <laughs> Breadhead. And <laughs> so here I am. At 30 years old, and I'm like thinking about things kids said when I was 10, Wow! you know, and I was like going to my friends and asking for validation, like, does my head look like a bus? Does it look like a loaf? And my friends are like, no, you have a beautiful head. But just because my friend said I had a beautiful head, I didn't believe it. You know, it took a while before I could really accept like the head. My head is my head. It's what I got. But. It was something, cutting my dreadlocks. So that was 30. Yeah. And now five years later, five and a half years later, uh, you went full, like you bicked it. You went straight to the skin. Um, so when you had that feeling of crying, what was there any similarity this time around or what was different? There was something different, definitely. I feel like emotionally I have grown like I am more confident in who I am and I've always been confident. So I'm thinking like I'm a like I'm confident in the way that I look. I'm confident in my skin color. Like I'm confident as a black woman. That's not an issue. But there is still there was still something there that is not necessarily confidence. So in my 30th birthday, like I was just like, yeah, maybe you could call that. Like I needed validation from people that I knew. But this time when I cut it, I went to the mirror and I looked at myself. And rather than like saying like, Sarah, you look like a boy. I was like, Sarah, you are so beautiful. Um, and then I was like, actually, I want to even go farther. So I asked you if you could shave it all off with, with with my with my the razor I use for my my head and my face. Yeah, and it was still like hard. Like I would look at myself and be like, wait, who is this woman? Like you still look, you know. It wasn't that huge of a difference, but it is. You know, and so it, it feels very different. I don't think there's any way around that, you know, um, be, because I mean, if I think even for me, like, you know, when I when I finally decided that I had no hair left to pretend about and it was time to just, you know, shave it, um, I had already completely accepted the fact that I was never going to have another hairstyle that was beyond you know, a centimeter. And <laughs> the only real shift from that, which was, you know, several years ago to about about a year and a half ago, well, maybe two years ago, when I realized that anything beyond two millimeters wasn't going to work for me anymore. Uh, you know, I, I shave with a razor every two to three days. Um, that wasn't a big jump for me. You know, the big jump was long locks when I was a teenager to completely shaving it off. And in fact, uh, when we did, I was, uh, I was in Germany and about to go on a big hitchhiking trip with my best friend. And I was like, you know what? It's time. 
for something else. I'd had long hair for a while. Uh, I was ready for something else. And as a joke, Benny and Julian, uh, two of my best friends in the world, cut a mohawk. Mm. So I had this mohawk and I still had really long hair. So it was, you know, went down to the middle of my back and started all the way at my forehead and all the way back. And it was a joke. We're like, oh, let's just do this. Right. And then we're like, that's kind of cool. And I I forget if one of them came, if one of his sisters came in or uh, someone did a French braid. Yeah, it must have been one of Benny's sisters came in, did a French braid. And that was my hairstyle for you know, the next several months was a, was a French braided mohawk. Um, and it was almost like that was this little thing that was kind of like holding on to something as though it almost would have been too much for me just to shave it. Cause it was this big identity thing that I had, that I had formed. Yeah. So where are you today with like well, your, your hair and you have what, How your confidence with yeah. it, like acceptance. Well, yeah. Uh, someone uh, mentioned the other day, like that it's that that the acceptance of it exudes a certain amount of confidence, which I guess is true. The other side of it is that it's actually <laughs> is it confidence or is it just I really don't have any other <laughs> options, and I can kind of look at it realistically, which is that the you know the bald spot with a little you know with with a little sort of rim or you know rim around the head is just not really a great look it's almost like that's a look of holding on to something that you don't have anymore you know yeah. um and you know it's you know i see it i see men have that the comb over a little bit of that is also like i'm just not quite ready and i did my own version of that uh, about 29 years old 28 29 my hair was really really thinning and if i didn't do something soon i wasn't gonna have any hair so as I mentioned, I, I started using Rogaine and that kept my hair from falling out. And it worked pretty well for about 10 years, but it was this dependency I had on it. And it was really that I just felt like I wasn't ready. And in some ways, when I look back on it, I actually wasn't because being bald, uh, what, for me, there was a certain sort of age thing about it. And, mm. and when, you know, I'm not necessarily afraid of growing older and certainly not anymore, but there was also a little bit of tying in with aging and wisdom. And I didn't have the, the wisdom to be gray. I didn't have the wisdom to be bald. I didn't have the, the, you know, the wisdom to be really wrinkly. And like I said, I kind of prided myself on my youthful appearance that, you know, people always thought I was five to 10 years younger than I was, which was funny because I'd be like, oh yeah, I've got teenage daughters or whatever. And people would, you know, jaw would hit the ground. Wait, how old are you? You look, you're 28 or something. I was like, no, I'm not actually. Um, not that much older, but not 28. Um, but there was, yeah, this sort of this identity that I wasn't quite ready to shed. And so much of it, I don't also think was my own. It was a projection. So I was holding on to something that was actually time to let go of. Um, and I told myself at a certain point, I said, you know, when I'm 40, I'll just go ahead and go bald. Mm. And I met you when I was 39. Uh, and the funny thing was, is within three or four weeks of dating you, I actually knew that I had met the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. There wasn't a question about that. And the funny thing about my hair was I literally took, I, st I just bought, before I met you, I bought a pack of Rogaine from Costco. I like the big pack. Um, and I just threw it away. You did. I was done. And there is definitely a piece that I didn't feel somehow that I would be desirable if I was bald, if I appeared older than I was. There was all this stuff that obviously isn't true, but there were all these imaginations and and projections that I had 
And I was like, well, you love me. Uh, so I threw it away and I started basically just buzzing my head, keeping it really short. And you loved it. Um, and, you know, and it's not even about you because there are, I've, even when I was balding, a lot, there were quite a few women who I knew or female friends that'd be like, you know, there's a lot of women who really love bald men or I love bald men or whatever, but it didn't matter. You know, it was, you can, people can say it all you want. Someone can say you're beautiful all they want. How, how many beautiful people in the world, particularly beautiful women are told all the time, you're so beautiful. And yet they don't feel like they're beautiful. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's someone else says thing. to you. It's how do you actually feel? Um, and I think what you just said, kind of down to pivot back to, to your story, was when you looked in the mirror this time and didn't have to sort of justify anything. You didn't have to try to convince yourself. And you also didn't have to, you know, go to this thing, oh my God, I look like a boy. Um, but more like, God, I'm beautiful. And that's actually a part of your, you know, it's what I'll say is one of the things that attracted me to you also was that you you were you were really secure in your looks and and I just I'm going to qualify that before you jump in yeah, because a lot of people from the outside can say oh well that's easy for you to say you're beautiful but it's just once again like I know so many beautiful people who are very self-conscious and don't feel beautiful and it's really just kind of like are you going to decide that that that's beautiful to you in the same way that at one point you thought mom jeans were ugly and then you thought, oh, they're actually kind of cute. Or you used to think a certain type of style was ugly and then you're like, oh, I've seen that on other people and now I'm used to it. And then you're like, oh no, I really like that. We can actually grow to appreciate or not appreciate something based on a choice. Yeah. I know like for some people it's really hard, but for me, I just, at some point, and I don't know when this happened, I really started affirming myself. Like I look in the mirror and I'm not kidding. And I'm like, I look at myself and I'm like, I am the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And I look in the mirror and I'm just like, oh my God, Sarah, you're beautiful. As if someone else is talking to me and I've done it for so long, but I am so happy. I still do this practice because in a world where, you know, women who look like me and not, you know, are not the, what people think of as beauty is like, I have to be the person who tells myself that I am beautiful. Like, and also the other thing is like, like when I went to school and like I see other women, I'm just like, I am way, like I'm beautiful in my own ways. Like I don't compare. Not that other women are not beautiful. I see beautiful women all the time. You know, beautiful black women, beautiful white women, beautiful Asian women. But for me, it's never been like, I was just like, my beauty is unique to me, you know? And so... I think that affirming myself really helped because I wasn't going to wait for the world to affirm, to affirm me. And I wasn't going to await my friends to affirm me. So I was just like, I do it myself. And it, it really works. And, you know, so kind of while we're on that subject, I certainly struggled with, I mean, I wouldn't say I struggled with it very much because it didn't matter. It wasn't like a big thing for me, but I still... I was not pleased with my appearance. You know, I remember even being a teenager and I was talking to some friends and I'm like, I just have a, I have an ugly smile. And they're like, oh no, you don't. You have a beautiful smile. And it's like, oh, hmm, maybe. No, I definitely don't. And then kind of over time, uh, you know, it kind of went up or down. And, but, but I definitely didn't have a good relationship with my appearance. And then you came into my life and you think I'm good looking, which is really the 
only person that matters really but but i also believe you right mm. and and in that sense not only that was for me i said you know something shifted maybe it's also the way you're willing to view yourself but you know i kind of do the same thing now i look and i say you know i'm good looking i actually my looks haven't changed really that much um still Matthew and I have been since I was born and I will be till the day I die. And, uh, you know, this, the shift is also a decision. You know, I used to think that skinny jeans weren't that sexy and now I think skinny jeans look good. Um, for example, right. And I used to, didn't, I used to not think I looked very good and now I do. It's just a choice in some it ways. Is, it is a choice. And I know like it's, had a choice for some people but it is still a choice that you can make you mm -hmm. know and you know for me I feel like the identity of hair is also like a progress to that choice you know so I'm not like I know I'm not advocating for every woman to cut their hair that's not that's not it neither are we advocating for every man <laughs> to pray to God so that they can lose <laughs> their hair that's not it but I I think for this podcast is like there is identity that we all have that comes with hair. Yeah. You and, know? and this kind of willingness to let go of one identity for another, you know, and I think that's what I, what I appreciated about your choice with that was that there is a lot of identity around hair. Uh, and even though for you uh, uh, and I've seen, oh, you know, we've been together for boy, pushing four years but you've shifted a lot. You've had long braids. You've dyed it different colors. When we first got together, you had red hair with stripes. You've done. Oh, I have to say something else. When I went blonde, like when I dyed, I've had all types, like red, name it. But when I went blonde, I was a little worried. I was like, are people going to think that I am trying to be white? Like, seriously, yeah. I was just like, wait, are people going to think? It was like, I don't think that I couldn't turn my hair blonde if I really wanted to. I think I was just insecure about it. Like I was just like, wait, I am proud. One of the proudest people that exist that are so proud to be like, I am happy and black. Like I'm okay. But I was just like, I want to experiment with my hair, but going blonde was like, are people going to think like I'm dating a white man and now I'm trying to be like white, yeah. you know, like I worried about it. And then one person said to me like, wait, why did you dye your hair blonde? And I kid you not, I was like, wait. And and, and, and there, there are like mixed race. And I was like, wait, did, are you judging me that I dyed my hair so that I can, quote unquote, look white? And I was like, no, I was just like trying it. But it was, it's, it's something that I have to like own up that I was just like, yeah, I don't. I'm not doing this so that I look white, you yeah. know, so it was... Um. But I think, you know, you've done a lot of, you've, you've done a lot. And I think that, you know, there was a, it can, you know, in this particular haircut in a lot of ways, that's why we joke, the bald and the beautiful, you know, is because a lot of people kept saying like early on who we were staying with when you did it was that was really bold. And in some ways, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's, there is an importance in that, in making kind of, in making a shift uh, because of the identity that comes with our hair, when you shift your hair, it's almost like, is this imposter syndrome? Does that mean I'm rejecting my old self? Uh, what are people going to think? It's so much, you know, um, you know, for me with my beard, it used to be where I'd meet somebody or I'd even work with somebody. And then I would shave my beard. And because I looked really young, um, you know, 
people would not recognize me. Someone I worked with, uh, I was producing uh, a movie and uh, Carrie Ann Moss was one of the main uh, voice artists in this animated movie. And uh, our kids had gone to school together, so we'd met once or twice there. And then we had a meeting to discuss her coming on to the movie. And then I think I'd had, I didn't have a beard. And then when we went to, to film the first day of, of shooting uh, her voice, she came in and she looked at me and she goes, hi, uh, you know, I'm Carrie, who are you or whatever? And I was like, Matthew. Oh my gosh, like totally didn't recognize you. That happened all the time. I was working with one of my really good friends producing this movie, uh, Caged. It comes out, it'll come out next, uh, next, uh, early next year with Eddie Gavegi and, uh, Angela Serafian. And my, one of my producing partners, um, showed up one morning and I had shaven and I put on, I had a hoodie and I was just sitting there and she walked right past me. And later she just started laughing. She was like, I was wondering who is this kid that just showed up with a hoodie sitting on my set? <laughs> this is my producing partner who's a good friend. Um, so yeah, I think there can be this thing with our, with our uh, appearance around hair that if I make a change, is it a rejecting? What are people going to think? Are people going to think that I'm trying to be something that I'm not? Um, and I think making that jump, I think that's why others look at it as bold. Whereas you always said, if I don't like it, it'll grow back. Yeah, I was like, there's nothing bold about cutting my hair short. It's like, okay, I'm bold, like, for what, three, four weeks? It's going to grow back, and then I can do whatever I want. But I get, like, for some people, that three weeks could mean, like, could seem like a very long but time. But also for a lot of people whose hair is not curly and is, and is very straight, for them to get back to what is kind of their look could be a year. Yeah. And that's a very long time. And I think that's why people call call would look at you and say that's bold. And I think in some ways... For some people, it is really bold. And even for you, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we'll just do this. It was a decision that you made. And once you made the decision, I think that doing it was easy. Yeah. But if you go back to that moment when you're like, I said, you know, the blonde is, you know, it's cracked your hair. It's starting to, you know, it's breaking a little bit. Let's cut your hair tomorrow before we do our next podcast. And uh, you're like, you know what? I think we'll just shave it off. And then there was this moment of, should I? And then <laughs> you even said, when you went and you told everybody the next, you know, that evening, I'm shaving my head tomorrow. Part of that was if I tell eight people that I'm going to yeah. shave my head, they're I can't go back on I it. I can't go back because they're going to hold me accountable. And true and behold, one of them woke up the next morning and they're like, did you? They knocked on my door they're like, did you shave your head? And I was like, not yet, but I will. Um, and part of it is that the next day I saw a friend and I was like, look what I did. And she was like, what did you do? <laughs> and I was like, I shaved my head. And she's like, oh, it just doesn't look that different. And I was just like, it blew my mind. Because here is this thing that some people think it's a huge deal. Well, she didn't even notice that I shaved. Yeah. Like, it was like, this thing is like, that you think is actually a big deal. But actually, it's not, yeah. you know, so... There's always like these things in our lives that happen. And to us, it's like a big deal. And to someone else, it's like, so what? Right. You know? And I think it just kind of like points to and, and, you know, even whether in our relationship or in our lives, this thing of making a choice and doing something that's kind of outside the comfort zone uh, is actually really important. Because once you do, it isn't as big of a deal. And if it is, we kind of come back around to it. And I just, to me, you know, your relationship with your hair, and in some ways, if I can kind of go back, you know, for me, it's been a many years process, my relationship with my hair, but that just becomes a bit of a microcosm or a kind of a projection of 
so many other things in my life and in our lives in general of, you know, something that seems like a really big deal and, and actually going ahead and embracing that and allowing that to, you know, to actually break through from that, you know, because, you know, this thing, this identity that I had as a, as a, first of all, as a guy with long hair, I, I wasn't like some amazing part. I was a teenager. I wasn't someone <laughs> to like look up to and to try and emulate, you know, in my twenties trying to save my, or my thirties trying to save my hair. It wasn't like, you know, what was that about? It wasn't, it was this identity and attachment to something that really wasn't that great. You know, yeah. it's like, it was fine. It was me, but it's not like, why was I holding hair up or whatever we hold up to my style? I mean, my style has changed a lot in the last few years. Why did I have this sort of connection to that? And then, you know, in doing some mindset work lately is even looking back and all these other things that I've held on to that I pride with, you know, I'm proud that I can struggle through anything and I hitchhiked a hundred thousand miles on many different continents and I've climbed to the tops of mountains and I've been broke in the, in the great recession. And I was working two jobs and, and, you know, finding a way to make it work no matter what that became this identity that I kind of love. But when I think about it now, why in the world do I want to actually have an identity as the guy who has to kind of like slog through the mud to survive? <laughs> like it's fun every once in a while. It's great for a good movie, but in my life, do I really need to build an entire life and identity around, you know, the, the rugged like tough guy who can make anything work in the most difficult situations? How about I'm fine letting that particular image go along with my thinning hair or whatever else it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to say like having dreads for like over 10 years was amazing. But also I'm really happy that identity was gone. Like my 20s, you wouldn't pay me enough. Okay, there's, you there's, can always, pay, a there's always a price. You can pay me enough. But I wouldn't want to go back to my 20s. Like I really am enjoying the woman that I've become in my 30s and why would I want to hold on to an identity that I had when I was in my 20s and I'm sure like my 40s with age brings in a new identity and I want to embrace every identity where I'm at rather than like looking back and being like wishing and hoping that you know there's or just keeping like an identity that doesn't serve me and serve me who I am today, you know, so. And maybe at some point you don't actually need to make some major outward change in order to make the growth that you need in order to take the next step in your own life. Correct. Yeah. Um, but with our listeners and whoever is listening to this is like, I am so curious and I would want to know, like, what is the relationship that you have with your hair? You know, is there an identity that comes with your hair? Is there some can you even imagine like shaving your head and i'm not advocating that you shave your head but i'm just like can you i would want to hear this you know or just a big change so yeah. actually if you do make any big changes uh make sure to send us a before and after picture we'd love to see it yeah so this has been great and we'll keep this conversation going over the years as yeah as well i have no i have nothing else to talk about because my <laughs> hairstyle will never change this is it. You got me. Unless I go start moving towards a toupee and, you know, all sorts of different rainbow you could, hairstyles. You could, you, could, you could buy a wig. I could. Yeah. And maybe I will. We'll see. Yeah. So for me, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep this for how long. I don't know. But we'll, we'll see. I'm I like keep, it. I like I'm, the person who has it. 
So who has that haircut? I I love that person. I'm keeping it open. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks again for joining us on the Interracial Couple Podcast, where it's not all black and white. My name is Sarah. I'm black. I'm Matthew. I'm white. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.